Hola, hola, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. This week's episode is such a special one. I am celebrating my one-year anniversary of being a full-time entrepreneur. And in honor of that, in today's episode, I will be talking to you and walking you through the steps I took, the thoughts I had, my family's reactions, and my decision-making to finally taking the leap in leaving my nine-to-five. And my hope is that by the end of this episode, you have the clarity and the direction that you've been looking for in taking your leap if that's on the path that you're on and if you yourself want to leave your nine to five or you want to set yourself up for that. Hi, and welcome to the Latina CEO Identity Podcast, a show for Latinas who want to take the unconventional path. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Liz Fernandez, a first-generation daughter of immigrants and therapist turned multi-six-figure CEO and identity coach. I help Latinas create and claim their identity as booked-out coaches and entrepreneurs. In this show, you will have a space to help you realize just how gifted and extraordinary you already are so that you start tapping into your gifts and start creating your Latina CEO identity. Lista? Let's get into today's episode. So this is going to be a little bit of a storytelling episode, a little bit of a reflection episode, and a little bit of just takeaways, thoughts, ideas, and perspectives about my journey in leaving my nine to five. So get your cafecito, get comfortable if you're on a walk, if you are washing the dishes, if you are whatever it is that you're doing, this is going to be a really real conversation because here's what I want you to know. There's a lot of talk about leaving your nine to five in the industry and you see people doing it, especially now that the pandemic, you know, happened in the world that we are living in. So right off the bat, I just want to share that my story in leaving my nine to five looks very different from any other entrepreneur's story. And I just want to know and let you know that your story is going to be very, very different. So a quick disclaimer is take anything from this episode that really lands for you. And I just always want to invite you to honor your own journey and really let you know that you always have the answers that you're looking for within you. And sometimes I think because these life-changing decisions can be a lot to process, I want you to know that it is very important that you honor your own journey and that you make this decision for you and that you trust yourself in the process. Because the truth is you're never going to feel ready. You just have to set yourself for this one goal that you have, which is leaving your nine to five, if that's the case for you. And which is probably why you're listening to this episode and this episode called you. But all that to say that, you know, if it's been a dream of yours to have the time freedom, to have the location freedom, to work for yourself, to leave your nine to five, I want to just let you know that if the vision is in you, it's for you. And that's something that I say all of the time. You are capable of creating this. Even if right now the vision feels so far away. Maybe you can't even visualize yourself, you know, taking this leap. And you're probably asking yourself, like, how, like, how am I going to make this happen? I want you to know you don't have to have all the answers right now. You just have to take a step forward and kind of like think big picture and ask yourself the question without shaming yourself. If this is a goal that I have, how can I make this a possibility? 
how can I set myself up for this move that I'm trying to make? I wanted to just start off the episode by sharing that disclaimer with you because I would be lying to you if I told you like I have this formula for how I left my nine to five because that wasn't necessarily the case. So let me dive into my journey and my story and how I even came to this decision and how long my process took. So I want to bring this back all the way till when I was a little girl and really when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Y desde que estaba chiquita, since I was a little girl, I always dreamed of just getting paid for talking to people. And when I think back to like what I wanted to be when I grew up, the first thing that I ever wanted to be was a teacher. I literally would pretend like I had invisible little uh, students in my room, in my childhood room, and I would grade papers all the time by myself. I'm the eldest daughter of three. So at this point, I did not have any siblings. And, you know, this is what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I would always tell my mom, you know, I want to just get paid for talking to people. My first dream career is to be a teacher. But really, like if I let myself dream, I, I want to get paid for talking to people because I always help my friends solve their problems. Keep in mind, I was like six years old or seven years old at the time. Like I genuinely loved helping my I was like the mediator of like my little friend group of friends in elementary school. And my mom would tell me, ay, mija, like, ¿quién te va a pagar nomás por hablar? Like, si así no se gana el dinero, right? I grew up with this notion, of course, as many of us Latinas do. The more sacrifice and the more work that we do and the harder we work, the more that, you know, you're going to get paid, the more successful you're going to be. And I always held on to that vision and I didn't really know what to make of it, but I always carried myself from a place of helping others. And through my whole upbringing and childhood, I would see uh, my family members specifically really just like go for whatever it was that they wanted to do. So for example, I think back to my mom. My mom has been working in agriculture since she was eight years old and she still does to this day. She's a farm worker in the central uh, coast in California. And so I grew up in this farm working community and I remember the off season, my mom used to work, she still only worked six months out of the year. And during her off season, she would find different ways of making money. So I remember like my, the off season where she would make bolis, for those of you that don't know what bolis are, they're essentially like uh, popsicles. I think I'm explaining it right, but they're almost like, yeah, popsicles. I'm, that's as clear as it's going to get with my level of vocabulary today. But essentially, they would be like popsicles. She would make strawberry water because she works in the fields picking strawberries. And she would make agua de fresa, strawberry water. She would put the water in little Ziploc bags and she would freeze them up. And she would put them in the, in the refrigerator, freeze them up. And then she would send me to sell them to my friends for like a quarter. And I just always respected the different ways in which she would find ways of making money when she was off her season, off her strawberry season. And this was only one example of the many things she did. She used to sell tamales. She used to make carpetas and like she cosia, you know, and like really just a whole bunch of different creative ways in which she could find ways to make money. And at the time, I never saw it as an entrepreneur perspective, right? And then I also saw my dad and my dad wasn't really in my childhood so much. 
I grew up in experiencing a lot of, of domestic violence in my family and my dad, you know, really navigated alcohol use in my upbringing. So he was never really around. But a couple of the memories that I do have from him when when I was a little girl was that he had such a big passion for singing and for like being social and bringing happiness to people and bringing joy to people through his music. And he used to book side gigs on the weekends where he wasn't working in the field as well. And then I have my abuelito as another example. So all of these examples of people in my family that were entrepreneurs, and I didn't even see it as that from a young age. Like I mentioned my abuelito, he was a mariachi his whole entire life. He followed his dream of becoming a mariachi and really letting go of his responsibility and pressure of really raising and taking care of his family financially. Um, in Michoacán, when he was growing up, being the youngest of like eight, nine siblings at the time. So all this to say, like I'm sharing all of these examples of my story and like the people in my family that found a way of just exploring their dreams that they once upon a time thought that were not possible, right? I think back to stories that my mom has told me, that my dad has told me, that my abuelito has told me about how their notion of work was to do the traditional thing, which was the more you work, the harder you work, the more money you get, the better opportunities you have, and the more successful you'll be. Because of the environment that they grew up in and the lack of resources, the lack of financial stability, household insecurities, and everything that they experienced, to them, they always knew that there was more out there but they just never really felt like they could approach it or they just never really felt like they could go and do the thing full time. My mom's biggest dream has always been to be an entrepreneur and work for herself. My dad's biggest dream was to be a full-time musician and he didn't really quite get to live that dream out fully because of just like life things coming up and all of the things. And my abuelito actually did. My abuelito is such a good example and one of my biggest inspirations in life because one day in a different podcast episode, I'll dive into his story and like how, why he is one of my biggest inspirations. But he went full time in his business as a mariachi and he was born in the 1930s, y'all. Like he is in his late 80s right now, but he stuck to his vision and he went with it. Despite the social and cultural pressures of his experience as a male in the Mexican culture. So all of this background and context that I'm providing you with, I share because I know that so many of you have similar stories. I know that as Latinos and Latinas in our culture, entrepreneurship literally is in our blood. Our ancestors have found every single way of being resourceful and resilient and like making a way or finding a way, right? So part of my process of stepping into entrepreneurship and into my identity as an entrepreneur was really giving myself permission to explore it and to look at how resilient, how resourceful, and just how capable and extraordinary my lineage is. And even though there's a lot of cultural and social just narratives that we internalize and just a lot of beliefs that we have around what entrepreneurship looks like, 
I always wanted to look back to these examples and look at them from the perspective of like, how can that serve me? How is this serving me for this chapter I'm stepping into? And I thought about like, I've had great examples, whether my family members and, you know, my lineage stepped into entrepreneurship fully or not. I saw these little steps of, you know, courage that my family members took as an example of what I could create. And I saw it as an inspiration, even though for them at the time, it probably wasn't any of that. Maybe to them, it was like survival, right? Like I need to find a way to eat and this is what I have to do. They probably didn't even see it as this whole, like I'm following my dreams and my passions and this whole expansiveness, right? At the time, I'm sure that they saw it as like, listen, like I just need to feed my kids. I need to make sure we're surviving and I need to get the bills paid. However, even though that is very valid and that was their experience, I chose to see that as inspiration for my own journey and for me to get, you know, tener las ganas y tener la valentía de hacerlo because if my family had the willingness and the ganas and the courage and the bravery, I know that that was passed down to me. So I had to start off with sharing that part of my journey to give you all context as to how I started making this decision, how I leaned into entrepreneurship. And the truth is that I always knew that I wanted to work for myself. I always knew that I didn't want to have a nine to five. I didn't want to stay doing the same thing in a repeated way for the rest of my life. So fast forward to the year that I decided to start a coaching business. It was the pandemic. The pandemic had just happened. It was in April of 2020. And I decided to invest in a coaching program. If you have listened to previous episodes, you know that my investment journey and who I worked with and the link that I worked with them for. But essentially, I started creating my personal brand four months before I actually opened up services because I did not know that I could actually open up services and invite people to work with me. So I actually started charging and I started working with clients in September 2020. From September to December, I opened up a group program called Latinas Aligned, and I launched Latinas Aligned three times from September of 2020 to December of 2020. And essentially, during this time, I made a couple hundred dollars. I believe I was charging like $400, $500 at the time for my group program per person. And I collectively, I think I made like $10,000 from September to December. And at this time, I remember that I was going to a vision, a vision board event um, with one of my previous coaches. She was hosting it and I let myself dream. I knew that like money was starting to come in. But at the beginning, y'all, like I did not know what my business was going to turn into. The only thing that I wanted was to have options to serve people. I wanted to set myself up for starting to pay off my student debt to start off paying my credit cards and all of that. Like my dreams were literally that like, and I don't want to say that they're small dreams, but that's as far as my mind could go at the time. And I have so much love for that version of myself that even let myself see the possibilities of how my coaching business could support me in helping me just pay off my student debt and pay off my credit cards, which by the way, I have like $100,000 in student debt. And I honestly don't lose sleep at night. Thank God for that, because I know that it's going to get paid. 
because I'm setting myself up for that, right? So essentially, this has been from September 2020 to December 2020. And I was just loving the work I was doing. We all know that the pandemic was a really hard year for us. And mentally, I was just in such a dark place right before starting my business. I had just lost my abuelito. And I was in grad school. I was working full time. My program was super rigorous. I was getting ready to start interviewing for practicum sites for my last year of undergrad. I'm not undergrad, grad school. And it was just a really dark time. And the only thing, keep in mind, we were working remotely. So I had literally little to no social contact. And I am a literally an extrovert at heart. So my mental health was just not it during this time. And the only thing that really helped me move forward and like continue just, you know, surviving during this time was having my coaching business because it was something that I just poured so much of my heart into that I always looked forward to. So in January, when I was in this vision boarding event, I let myself dream and I just wrote myself a check, like a fake check that said $200,000. I crossed off part-time coach and put full-time entrepreneur, full-time coach. And I just let myself dream. So this happened in January 1st, I think, or I don't know if it was like late December, early January. So fast forward to February, literally just a month later, I end up having the biggest launch of my life. Like I had, I think it was a $25,000 launch for a group program that I launched and I had for Align Coaching, my signature group program now. And I could not believe the money that I had just created. I could not believe it. I was like, what? How did this even happen? Right? This is crazy. What am I going to do with all this money? All of these thoughts came to mind because I was working full time and I was in school full time. So then my second launch happened and that was shortly, like I think two months after. So this was like May-ish and I had a $20,000 or $24,000 launch collectively, like my business had already made $60,000 and I had that all in my reserves for my business. So at this time I was like, oh my God, like I am creating my businesses just like kicking off. This is crazy. Like I just, I couldn't believe it. And all this to say that like I was having such a, such an identity shift where everything that I was working towards that I didn't even know I was working towards was coming to me at a rate that I could not even fully process. I then started just exploring my possibilities for continuing to expand my business. I then started seeing, wow, maybe working for myself like long-term and full-time could be a possibility. So I was having a whole bunch of identity crises. This was like in May or like April of 2021. So at the time, I would have conversations with my supervisor at the time in my nine to five. And shout out to Enrique if you're listening to this. And I just would have all of these conversations where I would let him know, you know, my business is really kicking off. I know that I would love to do this full time, pero no me atrevo. Like, it's just so scary. Like, the first thoughts that I would have literally that would stop me, the blocks, would be having the stable, steady check that would come in every month and also my benefits package. That is literally the only biggest block that I had. And then obviously the fear of like, what if I made all this money and then I don't make any more money? I know that it's been working, but what if it was just luck, right? So I would have all of these thoughts, all of these fears, and I just had to just process them, feel them, have the mental spin outs. And I gave myself permission to do that. 
So essentially, the vision started getting clear and I invested in working with my current coach. And through this process, I realized, okay, I know that I want to leave my nine to five. I'm in a place where financially I have saved up like almost double of what my yearly salary was for my nine to five. Let me look at my numbers. So I sat down, I started doing the math. I was like, okay, how much money do I need? every month for me to finish paying my payments every month and then also having a cushion room in case I don't sign any more clients for a couple of months for my coaching business. I allowed myself to sit down and look at my numbers and actually to my surprise what I found was like wow like I'm actually bringing in more money for my business than I am from my nine to five. So all of this to say that a lot of the times if you've been considering leaving your nine to five Our brain likes to make these life-changing decisions like the biggest, scariest, biggest thing ever. But when we actually bring ourselves back and we sit down and we look at our numbers, we look at what it would look like to do that one thing we want to do, it actually seems like so much more feasible, right? So this is what I did. I was looking at my numbers. I let myself go there and I realized, okay, well, I am bringing in more money. I'm good for like at least two years of like my reserves are there. So now (laughs) that was one thing, right? So I calmed my brain down for that. The second thing that I was really afraid of, of course, was the benefits. It was a whole nother learning curve of like having health insurance. And in my experience, it's just myself. So if you have a family, I can imagine this is one of your like bigger worries. But to my surprise, it is very, very feasible to have and find your own insurance on your like on your own terms that you pay for. So I let myself go there. I started asking other entrepreneurs that were already full-time what they did, how they did it, and asking questions that I knew were going to support me in making my decision. After like a lot of conversations, a lot of mind drama within my own self and like internal conflicts, I finally decided, okay, I think this is something I'm going to do. It still took me like so long, three months, I think, to put in my two-week notice. And the day that I made the decision, I remember that I woke up and I asked myself, okay, Liz, I think you know you're ready and you're the only one that's getting in the way of you making this decision because you are fully supported financially and you can freaking do this. So I decided to write, type out the email and I sent it. And I felt so good when I sent that email. But another part of me also struggled with the idea of feeling guilty, of feeling guilty for leaving my team, which was an incredible team. My students, I was working as an advisor for college students and helping them get ready for college. And a lot of guilt came up because I felt like I was leaving my community behind. And I had to really hold space for myself and realize that I wasn't leaving them behind. I was creating space for other people to come in to fulfill that role. And by other people, I mean like first-gen students that once upon a time had a dream of becoming college advisors, such as myself when I got out of undergrad. So when I looked at it from that perspective and I really got grounded and I told myself, you are now fulfilling and serving your community in a different way through the work that you're doing. So I really had to give myself permission to let myself go there to release the shame and to give myself love and self-compassion, which is what I needed at the time. 
I also really had to start creating my identity as someone that ran a business full time because for at least 11 months, I was running my business part time. And a lot of thoughts came up around really letting myself sit in the realization that I can be a CEO and I can run a company and I can grow my business to a place where I can't even visualize yet. And really stepping into that CEO identity and really letting myself sit in the belief that I was a CEO that I had always been and that now I just needed to embody that CEO and that I was going to continue to grow as a CEO. And the current version that I was in at the time was enough for me to go full time in my business. And one of the hardest parts during this process, I do have to say that was It was unlearning the nine to five mentality. There were so many days where I would wake up feeling guilty for not being busy all the time and waking up at like 5 a.m., which was my normal routine when I was working full time, going to school full time. I literally had no time to even just sit with my thoughts because I would wake up at 5 a.m., go to the gym, get ready, go to work, leave work, go straight to class, get some food and coffee, be in class from like 5 30 to like 10 at night, get home like at 11, and then do the thing all over again. And I would work on my business on the weekends or afternoons on the afternoons that I didn't have classes. So it was really hard to transition into being full time in my business because I went from 10 years of hardcore hustle and sacrifices to having all of this time and really like me deciding what my schedule was going to look like, what I was going to get done for the day, and really, really sitting and letting myself rest. That was super hard. Getting through the journey of not feeling guilty for not waking up at a certain time and not being super busy all the time, it was really uncomfortable for myself, for my nervous system. And I can't tell you how many of my clients also feel this way as they're transitioning out of their roles and going into full-time entrepreneurship, being the high performers that we are, learning how to rest is really difficult. Learning how to sit with your thoughts is really difficult. Learning how to like be okay with not being so-called the nine-to-five productive or like what we learn productivity to be like, it is really challenging. And these are the things that are not really talked about. And I want to just highlight how much this was a big learning curve for me. It wasn't the fact that I was learning how to be an entrepreneur. It was the stuff that came up for me and the shadow work that I had to go through and the healing that I had to do to regulate my nervous system. And again, these are things that aren't really commonly talked about when you're leaving your nine to five. So I think that it's such an important part of talking about the process. And if you're someone that's considering leaving your nine to five, The biggest thing that you can do for yourself in this journey is surrounding yourself with a support system that is going to uplift you and reassure you of really who you are and encourage you and remind you what you are capable of in the moments where you doubt yourself. That was the biggest thing that I did, you know, especially because not a lot of people around us are leaving their nine to fives like hotcakes, right? I was leaning on the women in my community that were also entrepreneurs. And if you don't have that yet, find that community. Start with investing with a coach or 
leaning on someone, you know, that you really trust and letting them know, hey, this is really hard for me. I want to do this, but I don't want to feel so lonely in the journey. I just ask that you support me. I know you don't have to understand it, but just all I ask is for your support. Another tip that I have for you if you are wanting to leave your nine to five is really coaching yourself, being aware of the thoughts that are keeping you stuck, that are keeping you from moving forward, that are keeping you from making a decision that you're going to feel empowered by and really just getting coached. I can't tell you how helpful it was to be working with the coach during the time that I was transitioning out of my nine to five because we can't see what other people can see in us, unfortunately. Sometimes it's so much easier to be working with someone that can hold on to a vision before you can see it yourself. So coaching yourself and getting coached daily is going to be so important for you as well. And one of the last things that I have for you is really giving yourself self-compassion, so much of it because you're going to need it. Let go of the shame. You're not supposed to have all of the answers. I started off the episode with saying that to you and I am going to emphasize it again because you are going to step into a season of your life where people are not going to get what you are doing, whether that's your partner, your family, your loved ones, your friends, people you thought supported you. It is okay if they don't understand it because they haven't walked the path, right? One of the hardest things that I had to do was like breaking the news to my mom of, hey, mom, I know I'm in a grad program, but I am going to leave my job and I'm going to go full time in my business because till this day, she still has no idea what I'm, what I do. And she just wants to make sure that I'm safe and I'm supported financially. But it took her a while to even accept it, right? Like she was supportive when I broke the news to her because I honestly came to her and told her, listen, like, I'm going to do this one thing. I don't need any opinions because right now I'm in a very vulnerable place and all I need is your support. This is going to be something that I'm going to do. I have decided I am supported. I have saved up for reserves, so I don't want you to worry. I just need your support. And she was able to provide me with that. But even if she wouldn't have, it honestly, like I was so decided that I was going to make it happen anyway. And it was uncomfortable. I will say, you know, we all have the tias, the tios and all of the things and all of the people in our lives that maybe don't quite understand us and that can question us. They probably don't mean it. They don't mean harm, but their questioning can cause you to question yourself. And that's the last thing you need when you're in this transition. So I offer that you give yourself so much self-compassion You honor the timeline that you're on and your decision and that you have your own back to the process and just know that you're going to have your back regardless, right? The one thing that would really help me was saying to myself, Liz, you have a whole ass master's degree. You can go get a job whenever you need one, but you are not going to not try this for yourself. So I always had a plan B. And if I ever, ever need to go back to a nine to five, I will. But you know what? Like I needed to prove to myself that I could do this thing. And, you know, thank God that I have been able to to this point. And now I get to share my wisdom and I get to share my knowledge and my tips, my process with you. And I hope that this in some way, shape or form, like me sharing my story and my journey really helps you just kind of form your own decision as to deciding to take that leap for yourself, because I want you to know that it's possible for you. You can totally make it happen. But you are going to have to look at your thoughts rather than through them. 
instead of judging yourself, right, or putting pressure on yourself and feeling like you have to have all the answers or even waiting until you're ready when. Because the truth is that we're never going to be ready again. I said this earlier, you have to decide that you are ready and you have to decide that you're setting yourself up for this move that you're making. So to bring today's episode to a close, I want to answer some questions that I received from you all through Instagram. And the first question that I want to answer is, what was your biggest fear when you decided you were going to leave your job? This is a really good question. When I decided to leave my nine to five, I think my biggest fear was honestly being able to bring in a sustainable income that was going to allow me to continue to pay for rent, cover my bills, and live a comfortable life, but also be able to have a reserve in place to be able to help my brothers through college and to be able to have extra cushion income to be able to support my mom in anything that would come up. And I think as an eldest daughter, that's always something that's in the back of your mind. And given that entrepreneurship is really flexible when it comes to your income, right? One month can be very high and the next could be no money for two months. This was one of my biggest fears. At the time, I had a built up and saved a big reserve because all of the income I was making in my business, I was saving because my nine to five was covering all of my expenses. So I would say that it was bringing in a sustainable income, especially because during this time, there were three decisions that needed to be made in a span of a couple of weeks. I was thinking about moving out by myself in the Silicon Valley in a very high cost of living area. And I was also thinking about investing in my business coach at the time. And I also wanted to leave my nine to five. At the time, I felt like I could only do one of three things. And the highest priority at the time was moving out by myself. It was a dream that I always had, but I didn't know if it was going to be feasible and I really felt tied. My hands felt really tied. But at the end of the day, I decided to sit down, look at my numbers, and I ended up moving out by myself. I ended up also investing with my business coach at the time, and I also ended up leaving my nine to five. If you know me, you know that I much rather think abundantly than think in scarcity. And I will be the friend that tells you that girl, get both. You don't have to choose. Let's look at how you can set yourself up to make it all happen so you don't feel like you are missing out on an opportunity that you so deeply desire. All that to say that, yes, it was the biggest fear that I had was knowing and just trusting myself that I could continue creating the income that I wanted to create in my business to support me financially and to support me and my family, essentially. The second question that I will be answering today, and this will be how we conclude today's episode, is how did you know it was time to leave your nine to five mindset-wise and financially? And I will say that you actually never really feel ready. I mentioned this earlier in the episode. I had to decide that I was going to do this thing and I was going to have my back through the process. I had tried mentally preparing myself for a couple of months to be able to come to this decision. But energetically, I knew that I didn't want to be at my nine to five forever. I had hit a point in my nine to five where everything came very easy to me. I was really doing everything really seamlessly. I didn't feel as challenged anymore. 
And I knew that my graduation at the time was approaching. It was going to be time to make a career change. And I decided to go full time in my business, even though like really nearing my graduation date, I was actually offered with a position as a therapist for a six figure position. And I respectfully declined the position. This was a decision that really shifted my identity. I could have gone and said yes to the job and just earned six figures and went on to be a therapist, which was what I was in school for. And it was in a way really difficult for me to decline this position because of the person that was offering it to me. I loved her. She was a great mentor to me at the time, and I will forever be grateful for her mentorship. But I had to be really honest with myself. And I knew that I was going to be very unhappy in that role, even though I love being a therapist. The position was a great position. The agency was a great agency. But I knew that I didn't want to be burnt out. And I know how agency work can be. And I had been there, done that through my practicum year. And I knew that my heart was all in my coaching clients and in my business as a coach. So in a nutshell, I knew that everything I wanted was to be all in in my business and to serve my clients and to have more capacity to serve at a different level. And I had been coaching myself. I had been getting coaching to be able to make this move. and. I realized that really the only person getting in the way or the only thing getting in the way was myself from actually going full time in my business. I had to really sit down and ask myself, okay, what is the worst case scenario if you leave your nine to five? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And sometimes you really have to take your mind there to be able to make that decision that feels very scary. And my worst case scenario was, well, no income comes in. I spent all of my reserves that I already saved and I go and apply for a different job because now I have a master's degree and I can go and apply a job whenever I want. So if it comes down to that, I would rather give myself the opportunity to grow my business and work for myself than go work for an agency and not feel completely fulfilled and feel burnt out. And I owe it to myself to give myself a chance. And that's essentially how mindset-wise, I knew it was time to leave my nine-to-five. And financially, I did mention this earlier in the episode, but essentially, I had to sit down and really look at my numbers because, again, when you are thinking about making this big life-changing decision, in our minds, it feels like this really big, scary thing. But when we actually sit down, look at the numbers, look what the monthly income needs to be in order to make whatever you need to make happen then you'll realize that it is so much more doable than your mind was telling you it was. So that is how I knew it was time to leave my nine to five mindset wise and financially. Thank you so much to those of you who asked a lot of questions. I hope that this episode brought you the answers you were looking for and really just that helped you feel seen if you're someone that's considering making this move. And if you know that this is something that you want to do and you need support in this transition and you would like support in this transition, I invite you to apply for private coaching with me. I currently have a couple of spots open and I would love to support you, learn a little bit more about where you are and see how I can help you. And if you know that you want to build courage and self-believe to create your book identity and start your coaching business in 90 days, I invite you to join the waitlist for Align Coaching. 
my 12-week group coaching program that is scheduled to open up for enrollment in October, October 31st. So save the date if you know that you have the seed planted and you want to start your coaching business. The wait list is now open. You can find the details of how we can work together through the show notes in this episode. If you have any other questions, I invite you to DM me on Instagram at Life with Liz. You can find my Instagram handle in the show notes. And I hope you take so much away from this episode. If it landed for you, take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. I can't wait to see how this landed for you. And I will see you in the next episode. If you took value from this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. This will help other Latina CEOs find us. And if you're excited about this podcast, I invite you to take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Life with Liz. That is L-I-F-E-W-I-T-H-H-L-I-Z. Mil gracias por estar aquí and I'll see you in the next episode.